Friends, welcome from downtown Fayetteville and Stories from the Center. I'm David Blackman here with Justin Barrier today, and we are coming um, from the gymnasium of Hay Street United Methodist Church on this rainy afternoon. More rain today. Um, it's, a, it's been a rainy season for us. Friends, as we always, we like to start off with what we're about. We believe a podcast can facilitate helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns for the Fayetteville community, especially as our city continues to navigate our history, our present realities, and our future possibilities. Um, participants, guests will reflect on what justice means, the connection freedom has within our community, as we are uniquely positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg, and the desire to live together in peace. Through seeking the stories of our people, we, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom, and peace intersect, and we hope inspire listeners to practice the same. Our, our key question that we ask all of our guests is when telling your story, how have justice, freedom, and peace impacted your life? Friends, it's with um, great, great joy that I welcome today our special guest, Dr. Hank Parfit, to the podcast. And Hank's a retired medical doctor here in Fayetteville, serves as the current president of the Lafayette Society of Fayetteville, and he, which has recently established a, an endowment um, to study the um, age of revolutions, the emancipation and civil rights eras, and we are so thankful for the good work that the Lafayette Society is, um, is engaged with. Along with his wife, Diane, they are co-owners of City Center, City Center Gallery and Books right here in downtown, and they're members of the Downtown Alliance. Um, I've had the blessing of learning from, from Hank. He, he's the expert historian, in my mind, of all things Fayetteville, in, invited myself and Jackie to a historic carriage ride that absolutely blew my mind and opened up my heart for the love of this community. He's, um, he's a big believer in um, realizing and recognizing the importance of our namesake, the Marquis de Lafayette, and I consider him a friend and a true ambassador of this great city. Hank, it's a great um, joy to welcome you to Stories from the Center today. Well, thank you. Yeah, amen. Um, so we want to get right into it this afternoon, friends, and um, as we always do, we, we look forward to hearing stories about our, our guests and what they, what they sense about freedom, justice, and, uh, and peace. I want to start with justice today. Hank, you've been a longtime advocate for downtown Fayetteville and an ambassador for the city. You've got this passion for all things regarding the Marquis de Lafayette, and, and as the president of that society, I would love for us to start today's podcast with maybe a story about what Lafayette and justice have to do with each other. Sure. First, I want to say thank you for having me on your show today. Yeah, amen. Uh, and I appreciate your interest in uh, the history of Fayetteville that led to your taking the historic tour by horse and carriage. Mm -hmm. um, so many people, uh, you, we have a lot of people who come to Fayetteville and stay a few years, and then they leave for another assignment. And I'm just so delighted when, when people who are new to town come down and, and, and do that historic tour. And it's amazing the number of people that uh, uh, were moving to Fayetteville. You know, we're talking about prior COVID here. Right. But uh, we would talk to our guests on the carriage and find out that so many of them were from out of state. Uh, and we had visitors who were visiting uh, relations here in Fayetteville. They may from, be from California or uh, Massachusetts or Florida. Uh, but they wanted to learn about our community. And it's just to me, it gives me great pride in the town that I live in to know that our history goes back to before the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, we've got the, the documentation, we've got the facts, uh, we've got the names of the people that preceded us here in this little spot in North Carolina. Sure. Uh, and, and it just, it, it makes it so much more fun for me when people uh, uh, come to the table to find out more about this community. Those are the Campbellton Landing kind of stories, right? Right, That's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Love learning about that, Hank. Love learning about that. Um, 
so, so jump ahead to this era of, of the, the Marquis de Lafayette sure. coming and being a part of that. And, and how does that connect to who we are today? Well, I think that's a good question because um, in many ways we think of Lafayette as this young nobleman who came here in 1777 when he was only 19 years old to wow. uh, fight with America for its freedom uh, from England. And he, he had military training. He came from a long line of military men. Uh, one of his ancestors fought with uh, Jeanne d'Arc, Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so he, he was the nobility of the sword, they called it in France. Um, he had heard about this experiment democracy uh, here in America, so he provisioned his own ship and against the orders of the king uh, came to America. Which is, you know, just like something a 19-year-old would do, sure, right? Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> they right. say, don't go, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go, going. you know? Right, right. Um, and, and he was, uh, became a major general, uh, was probably George Washington's uh, most respected general. He uh, uh, valued him very much. Uh, he had something like nine different military engagements uh, that he led and, and was never defeated. A couple of strategic retreats but was never defeated. The big victory was Yorktown, of course, in 1781, which was a pivotal battle which essentially won the Revolutionary War for us. Um, His influence with the king uh, to send over five or 6,000 troops and ships uh, to blockade uh, the York River was absolutely essential for that victory. Uh, So he he was, in military terms, just a giant uh, that, that so few of us recognize. Uh, and it's only when you look at the history and realize that without the French help, mm-hmm. without Lafayette, we probably would not have won that war. And, um, and he was young. I mean, he was in his 20s doing all this. He was. I, I mean, yeah. It's, Remarkable. And, and nowadays, you know, the, somebody who's 21, 22, they're, they're still on their skateboard and haven't found a job yet. I sure. don't, don't mean to say that in a critical way. No, no. Uh, our young people have a lot of promise. But things were different then, and you did grow up a lot younger. Um, so he, he was already pretty, pretty mature by that time. Um, and so, you know, we, we've told the story over and over again about Lafayette uh, and his military exploits and what he did for our country. What we don't often talk about is the justice that he sought for all people. Mm. Um, when he came to America, he did not know really anything about slavery. Um, France was a free soil state, uh, so there were no slaves in France. They had slaves in their colonies, but of course he wasn't living in the colony. Right. Um, so he came, he, he, his focus was on uh, uh, helping America win the war, but he went back to France and thought, you know, we were fighting for freedom, but how come one-sixth to one-fifth of the population is enslaved? Mm. And that's what we were fighting for. I mean, what about them? Sure. So it bothered him greatly, and uh, it he, was a justice issue for him. It was a justice, issue. justice. How can you? I mean, if you look at justice, perhaps one of the most unjust things you can think of is to own another human being. It was accepted at the time uh, by the majority of people. There were some people who recognized it as uh, not something that humans should be doing recognized it, in fact, as an abomination. And it, it really bothered him greatly to the point that he bought a plantation in South America 
with the idea of uh, teaching the slaves how to read, uh, teaching them how to uh, value their work so that when they went out as free men, they knew what to charge for their labors. Uh, and very liberal policy. And before he could enact that, that wonderful scheme uh, to set an example, uh, the French Revolution seized all his properties. Mm-hmm. But he, 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 he was very idealistic. So his thought was, I could buy a plantation and free the slaves, or I could show the world that you can run a plantation with wage labor, that you can pay people to work for you and still make a decent living. Yeah. Um, so it was a grand experiment. Uh, it was very, very idealistic. Uh, George Washington praised him mightily for that. Uh, Lafayette tried to talk Washington into freeing his slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally wrote into his will that they would be freed upon uh, his death. His death. Um, so here's an example of a man that, that truly uh, walked the walk and, and did what he could to help uh, right uh, a grievous wrong. Sure, sure. And lived it. And he and lived, lived it. it. And lived it. He, he was able to get voting rights, uh, equal rights for uh, people of color in France. Um, his Declaration of the Rights of Man was ad- adopted from the Declaration of Independence, sure. uh, became the charter by which uh, they govern in France. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he became a symbol of freedom and justice for the black man and was praised long after his death by the abolitionists as being a true abolitionist. Mm. And by that they meant that he not only believed in emancipation, you believe that there should be no slavery, right. he also believed in treating people of color as equals. Mm. Uh, and his sense of justice extended to the American Indians. He supported rights for the American Indians. Uh, feminism had not come into play about 100 years before that. Uh, before it did, but he promoted uh, female authors, which was almost unheard of. Uh, He also advocated for prison reform. Uh, He himself spent five years in prison uh, after the radical elements of the French Revolution uh, uh, tried to arrest him, and uh, he would have probably ended up being guillotined. But he fled to present-day Austria, and the authorities there locked him up because of his revolutionary ideas. Sure. Yeah, they were a monarchy, and they were afraid that he would foment revolution in their country. So he was in prison for five years. Uh, and he was a vocal uh, opponent of a solitary confinement. So, so any number of areas of justice. Yep. If you have trouble thinking of somebody, if you said Lafayette, you'd be right. He's covering a lot of it, covering a lot of it. He just, I like your, your idea of a revolutionary uh, figure. And, and somebody who just was, um, you know, the phrase we oftentimes hear, a man before his time. I mean, he had such vision Absolutely. for being such a young guy Absolutely. and having such ideals and doing all he could to live out those ideals. Right. Um, that, that he was able to practice that and put into practice right. some of these ideals of which he lived by. Hank, where do you think that came from? Like, what, what was his story? How did he have all these kind of... What was stirring within his soul That's to a, always be looking ahead? That is really a great question. Uh, and I have read that the fact that he, you know, his father died in, in battle uh, against the British when Lafayette was two years old. 
so he was reared in the countryside in southern uh, uh, France. Uh, his father had a, a, a big castle there. It wasn't very fancy, but it was a castle. But he was reared by uh, his aunts. His mother was actually, she was the nobility uh, of Versailles. Okay. Uh, and she was friends with the king and queen and that sort of thing. And so she was there, and, and she eventually brought him up to uh, Versailles when he was 12 or 13. But prior to that, he was reared by uh, a, a couple of aunts. Okay. And it may be that that uh, feminine influence uh, affected him. Sure. I mean, he was all boy. I mean, he was out hunting in the woods sure. and stuff like that. Sure. But it may have uh, made him... Uh, think more about things like respect for others. Right. Um, and I think uh, another factor was uh, who he met when he came to America. And uh, another uh, young man in uh, the Army, the Continental Army, was John Lawrence uh, from South Carolina. And his father owned slaves. And and he was about Lafayette's age. And okay. they, they talked, you know, about freedom and democracy and what this meant. Uh, and as, you know, young guys are want to talk about these radical concepts. I mean, if you remember that when sure. you know, over, over cold beer or something, you talk about sure, it. Sure. Or like in the dorm late at night. Right, right. And so they, they were talking about these concepts of, of, of freedom and equality and how do, how do we rid uh, the world of slavery. Right. Uh, and he worked toward that. He did. And he worked right. toward that. Like, it was beyond just the cold beer in the tavern. It was working towards that right. to help bring about that, that change for people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hank, you've spoken about freedom in that, that last right. bit there, and um, that's another important um, theme for us. And what about freedom? And what story of freedom um, comes to your heart um, around this ideal of um, how are people free and how are we living free? Well, it, it's it, in so many dimensions. And, of course, uh, most governments were uh, monarchies uh, when Lafayette grew up in France. And uh, this was the age of revolutions, the uh, uh, late 1700s. Uh, and freedom to make your own decisions, freedom to uh, have some control over your own life uh, is we take that for granted, you know, it's pretty basic, sure. but it wasn't that basic then. And, uh, you know, even if you were not a slave, if you were, if you had no education, you didn't come from you know, a family of means, you were just a laborer, uh, you know, to, to learn a trade and make some money, you had to be recommended. And depending on your background and your station in life, you may not even have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, so freedom is about choice. And when you're, yeah, when you're born into that uh, poverty like that, you don't have a lot of freedom. Mm -mm. Um, so his advocacy for democracy is probably one of the most fundamental things that you can say he did to promote freedom. Okay. And it wasn't just in America. It wasn't just in France. It was in Poland. It was in South America. Okay. Wherever there was a revolution occurring... Forgot to mention Greece, wow. 1810, 1815 time frame. Wherever there is a revolution in the world, he was supporting that. And, and the power of his word, his uh, speech, his written word, uh, 
was valued greatly. And, and this was what the leaders of that revolution were looking for. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, beyond the age where he'd go there and fight, right. but just his support uh, was incredibly meaningful. His reputation mattered. Exactly. So, so that right. so it's, it preceded him. So those words did matter because they were speaking from experience and how he had exactly. led and been involved in other revolutions. Exactly. Wow. Right. Good. So uh, it was it was it was about national determinism that that you're you know because you know, there were so many European nations who colonized other countries. Right. So it was about that country like Greece having their own national independence as well as citizens having their independence. Sure, sure. Hank, what, what gave you, where, where did this passion come from for you to just fall in love with Lafayette? Like, how did that start for you? I don't know. That's a good question because I, I didn't have a really good history teacher in high school or even okay. college. Okay. And I think most people are not necessarily uh, going to be that interested in history. I mean, that's pretty normal. When you're young, you're thinking about the present and your future. So uh, I think for most of us, it's only when you've lived life yourself that you begin to have a, an abiding interest in history. So I think that was part of it. Uh, and honestly, when I was asked to join the Lafayette Society, I was not that big a fan of history. Uh, but that kind of came about in an interesting way. Okay. Uh, I was looking at... Uh, a book of events it, it, it lists all the events throughout the year and we were using that at the bookstore uh say the uh, what was the date of walt whitman's birth well then we could feature a volume of poetry by walt whitman well i looked yeah i was here in fadeville i figured okay i didn't know much about lafayette but i looked up lafayette and it said that his uh year birth was 1757 well i'm not a you know, mathematical genius but i did some quick math and i said hmm that means in 2007, it'll be his 250th birthday. Wow. I mean, that could be one outrageous event. Sure. So uh, I had been working with Bruce Dawson at the Downtown Alliance. I say, Bruce, how about, you know, I think the city I'll do the celebration for life. It's 250. Oh, yeah, yeah, great idea. Great, great idea. And, and we, I kept pestering. And then, you know, a year later, I'm invited to join the Lafayette Society, which I didn't even know much about. Okay. It had kind of a low profile in the community. Okay. And uh, so I was asked to join, 2005. And uh, at the very first meeting, uh, Martha Duell, who was the founder, uh, said, okay, we're going to have a 250th birthday celebration for Lafayette's birthday. And uh, we're going to ask Dr. Parfit here to head that committee. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Great. Great. Um, and we did. We had a committee of 20 different community groups, either uh, government agencies, private groups, schools, post office, arts council, uh, art museum, you name it. Uh, Spent two years planning for this event. Uh, And, you know, I felt like there's no way I can do this without learning more about Lafayette. Mm -hmm. So I began reading about him. And the very first book that I read, um, I just came away with the sense that Lafayette was a very admirable figure. And he was likable. Some people in history, you know, you don't like him so much. Right. But right. you couldn't help but like Lafayette. And I really got you know, buzzed on the history, and it led to an interest in history that I really didn't have before. Sure, sure. Well, we're thankful 
that you have that right. buzz because it's a buzz that hits. It's infecting all of us here in this community. Well, good. I'm glad to hear and, that. And I, I um, would say that the Lafayette Society has certainly become a more profile, a higher profile in this community, and certainly more folks know about it. We have, you know? and and I mean, we're more than just a, a dusty old historic organization. And uh, one of my board members approached me, and this was seven or eight years ago. And I think I had just become president and said, you know, I don't really quite understand. I'm on the board. I'm glad to help. But I don't really quite understand what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's a problem. <laughs> sure. You know, if our board member doesn't understand, then how about the public? Right. So uh, we started looking at uh, how we could take on some civic responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to us that why don't we promote some of these things that Lafayette stood for? Sure. Uh, you know, like his leadership. Uh, like his generosity, he spent his entire fortune helping uh, Americans win the war against England. And that's not inconsiderable because at a time he was the uh, wealthiest orphan in all of France, if not all of Europe. Uh, but his was also a generosity of spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that comes into the justice. Sure. Idea. Sure. sure. Um, so, so we, we looked at leadership and we, we sponsor uh, the Hugh Shelton, Hugh Shelton. Sure. Uh, leadership program at Methodist. We sponsor a student in that. Uh, we uh, work with the uh, leadership fable Chamber of Commerce uh, to provide them with a biography. Right. On La- each member gets a biography on Lafayette. Each student, I should say. Um, we have a Lafayette a leadership award for the uh, non-commissioned officers academy out at Fort Bragg right. for the upcoming master sergeants yeah. that have to take a three-week course in leadership. Yeah. Um, so, we, you know, that, again, those are some of the examples. And then, you know, we, we looked at uh, the fact that we have an endowment at Methodist, and we have had for a number of years, and it's grown wonderfully. Uh, and that was good, but, uh, yeah, I, we thought, well, why not do one for Fayetteville State? Right. So Lafayette would certainly be for that. He would be very much for that. Mm-hmm. So three years ago, we established an endowment. We were in the process of funding it. We're almost there. We have to hit a minimum of 25000 Okay. We're almost there. Um, we also uh, donated a lending library to the students for some uh, textbooks and, and, and uh, other uh, written works that may not be in the library on campus that they would have to order. So instead of doing that, they can just get it right off the uh, shelf okay. in a section that's reserved for the history students at Federal State. Okay. And uh, we, we did that. You know, we're doing this without the endowment now because you can't use your endowment until it has been established. Up. Sure. And build up. Uh, so it's just board members basically just reached in their wallet and funded this uh, $1,500 lending library. A, Following the generosity of Lafayette, as you said. Exactly. So exactly. that's wonderful, living into that. Yeah. That's wonderful. Hank, this, um, this idea about peace, if we can move to that, that theme for a moment. Um, I know that, that you are a man of peace, and I've seen that. I've observed that. I've read that about you. And, and as much as Lafayette was involved in the military, right. I also sensed that um, with his ideals, he wanted peace. Mm-hmm. He desired that for all people. And there was a, a particular story that I was really struck by um, in the midst of the, of the unrest, the demonstrations, the protests right. here during the summertime months after George Floyd. And I, I think that um, that story that really resonated with me about when folks were moving down Hay Street right. and all of the energy that evening that was happening and you and Diane are outside City Center Gallery um, and you're you're engaging with that movement right. 
and having conversations. Would you be willing to talk to us a little bit more about that and what was going through your mind and yeah. the emotions that might have been playing out that night for y'all? I don't mind, David. And, and yeah, I think energy is a good way. There's a lot of energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, some of it negative, but uh, sure. I think uh, in, in many ways positive, too. Um, it, it was a difficult time. As we know, George Floyd had uh, just been killed, and uh, those images were just horrific. And I think the whole nation was on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, a few days before the riots on the 29th of May, um, I had uh, asked uh, our bookstore manager to post a picture of a homeless person who was acting very, very strange, going in and out of shops. And, and we do that in the downtown lines to let people know, you know, this guy, you know, if he comes, just call the police and sure. say that you, you don't feel good. You know, a neighborhood check. watch type neighborhood thing. Neighborhood watch type mm-hmm. thing. Well, someone saw that uh, and, and took offense at it and said that we were being racist. They obviously don't know me and Diane very well. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, I mean, we were just excoriated because it was on the Internet. I mean, we got phone calls from people in Kansas mm-hmm. just ranting on the phone, calling us the worst names you can imagine. Sure. I mean, sure. It, it was horrific. I, I, I mean, I just – and, obviously, I felt bad because mm-hmm. I was, you know, the trigger of that even though it was all good intentions. Right. So when that Saturday the 29th came along, um, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should stand out front and not that I could do much against a, uh, a mob, right. but maybe it would be a deterrent, you know. Yeah. And uh, so around 2 o'clock that afternoon, because we'd heard things were coming down at 3 o'clock. That's when things were going down. Right. And uh, so we were watching what happens, and the police cars were stationed in various places downtown, and then they magically disappeared they were they were asked to pull back um and uh so people starting to come down and there were at one point probably over 1500 people around the market house and they were loud and they were angry which i think is appropriate sure um, Hank, can I interrupt for a second to give some context about the Market House in downtown Fayetteville for some right. listeners that may not know Fayetteville. Your location with City Center Gallery and Books is only a few shops away from the Market exactly. House. So you can it's, hear and you can see all that's happening. It's, it's, Just to give our listeners a sense of that context. Maybe 50, 60 yards away. Sure. Okay. Um, and uh, they, they were not terribly organized and, and you know whenever there's a mob you have this unease because right below the surface there's a lot of tension and right below that it could it could explode sure uh at that point it did and uh the group started going up the street now now during this time um i'm standing there in front of the store diane's inside and uh i'm thinking well why don't i just talk to these people you know so i just standing here so I'd see somebody go, I'd say, hey, how you doing? And that is all it took, David. Yeah. That's just, all it took. Just that one word of just, how's it going? How's and, it going? How's and it I would doing? say the vast majority, of these, these were good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, after they'd gone to the police station, people came in who were probably from outside the community. Right. There were a lot of spectators driving down Hay Street. Hay Street became a parking lot. Mm-hmm. People there, you know, watching that what was going on and sure. it got more and more rowdy sure. uh but we continued to stand out in front periodically diane would come out 
and, and we would talk to people. We knew you know, a lot of people we knew. Uh, a lot of people we didn't know. Just total strangers. Sure. And uh, I remember in particular when Diane was out there with me, this young African-American man comes up. I think he was uh, uh, military. He's probably late 20s. Okay. Uh, and we were having some pretty deep conversation about race. What is racism like in Fayetteville? What's today like George Floyd? I mean, yeah. you know, we got pretty deep talking. And a young man came up, couldn't have been more than 18 or 19, a man of color. Young man said, "Do y'all mind if I just come and join your talk?" And he mainly just listened. Wow! And uh, we talked for thirty minutes, David. So right there, in the midst of all that happening that evening, there's a there's a threesome. Yeah. Having a moment of peace together, and we're learning from each other. Right. And uh, at at the end, when he was ready to leave, he said, "You know, I came down here planning to do something to your building, but yeah, I won't now. I don't want to." Mm. And, and so that made it feel pretty good. So an owner willing to engage in the folks that may have come with different intentions, but then look what happens in that moment of transformation through a story. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, we learned from it. Uh, it, it. Fortunately, we never got a brick. The one door down, Sure. they got two or three bricks. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that was it or not, but regardless, you know, the, it was a good experience for us and presumably for some of the people that we spoke with. Right. Hank, I think it's remarkable that you just described it as a good experience. Yeah. And I think that that's the piece is that, you know, that when, when, as that continues to be a part of our navigating our current and present realities, right. um, many of us here in Fayetteville know that the market house continues to be uh, um, a topic of, right. of hot discussion. And I think that, um, we hope, you know, our efforts with the podcast is just to help people, encourage people to tell stories. Sure. Um, certainly that's our goal here with the podcast, but we hope that this will inspire other folks to do what happened outside your shop, yeah. you know, and for folks that didn't know each other to have a conversation and to learn from each other. Right. Um, I believe that's what's going to move us forward. I mean, that's the, that's the goal of moving this needle we keep talking about. We right. want to move that needle in the right direction. And I think through stories that can happen. And it is happening. Yeah. I mean, to your to your example. And, and I think it takes effort. I read somewhere there was a, they used to celebrate Emancipation Day here in Fable. It was always on January the 1st. And we're talking about, you know, late 1800s. Sure. And uh, this one speaker was from the western part of the state. And he's saying, you know, the black man knows the white man pretty well. We've been cooking y'all's food, washing your clothes, listening to your conversations because they were treated like furniture, you know, and then the white guys would sit around and talk all kinds of stuff and just like, you know, the servant wasn't even there. Right. And uh, so we, we know y'all pretty well, but y'all don't know us. Right. And at some point, if you get to know the black man, then we can talk, we can have a conversation. And I think that's important, David, because, you know, there's a lot of, information out there during black history month mm -hmm. and i hope that white people like me will not just be passively receiving that but look at something that interests you and dig a little further and get a book on i mean the internet be careful wikipedia they're not always sure, accurate sure but but you know um look at good historical resources on that topic and and read about the way 
uh, people of color have been treated in this country for literally, you know, Absolutely. centuries. And, and, and Hank and Gage. I think yeah. that's the piece, too, is that we, all of us, um, this is a city of diversity. This is a city yeah. that has great examples of, of folks living together mm-hmm. and folks struggling, no question. Right. But I think that there's an opportunity for us as Fayetteville um, folks to, to celebrate that diversity yeah. and engage with each other and have the difficult conversations, be willing to roll up the sleeves sure. and learn about each other just as you modeled for us that night during the, uh, the demonstration. So, yeah, thank you for, to you and Diane both for doing that and mm-hmm. for your willingness to share that story, sure. Hank. Um, I hope that folks will hear that and be inspired by your, your challenge for all of us to go a little deeper, you know, yeah. do the hard work. Um, right. But not be afraid of that hard work because where that leads is a place that um, many of us may sit around and talk about as ideal, but why can't that become a present reality for yeah. us? It's all about empathy mm-hmm. and understanding. Sure. Taking the effort to learn those stories. Yeah. Um, that understanding is what leads to empathy, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hank, this has, been, um, this has been such a good experience for me and mm-hmm. Um, as I've expressed to our, our podcast audience, this is our first in person, and we've done so safely. We, we've um, separated ourselves here as, as we continue to live into this, this pandemic. Hank, I just want to ask you if you have anything um, to share with our listeners that's a, a closing thought for them, um, an encouragement to check out Lafayette Society, whatever's on your heart, I'd love for you to just share that. Pre- you precisely. I, I, you know, what, what I was just thinking, David, uh, and I, I, I had thought about this before, but I said I'll save it till the end. Um, you may have read uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, mm. which is probably the, Great. one of the most remarkable mm-hmm. uh, and best novels about World War I. Well, the author wrote another book called The Arch of Triumph, and uh, I picked it up and decided to read it, and it's, it's really kind of fascinating. Uh, the main character was a surgeon in Germany, and uh, he uh, fled to France before, you know, during the buildup of the, the Nazi era. Um, and so he's, uh, you know, possibly wanted back in Germany. So he, he can't really hang out a shingle and, and practice. Uh, but what he does, he's a ghost surgeon. Mm. So the society surgeons who have a big name and a big reputation, but can't really operate that well. He wow. does a surgery for them as a so-called assistant, right? Wow. Not a ghost writer, a ghost surgeon. A ghost surgeon. Wow. These things existed. Okay. Um, but he, he's, he's a, just a fascinating character and just a, a full flesh character in this book. And there's a scene where he, he's dating this actress and he's waiting for her while she's getting uh, prepped. And uh, there's a, a history book there and he goes over to it, and opens it and thumbs through the pages. And after a while, he just, you know, he just turns away almost in disgust because, as he said, uh, our heroes, so many, are drenched with blood and uh they have done some things that uh some of the worst crimes against humanity but yet they they've ended up in the history books a lot of heroes are drenched in blood and what it said is uh what he said in there is very few heroes wear the silver halo of kindness wow and when you read about lafayette that's what you come away with is he wore the silver halo of Congress. Silver halo. How yeah. about that? Love that. Well, it's inspired me to want to learn more about Lafayette. Yeah. And I hope that we can all 
um, find ways of, of being engaged with those kind of things that give and drive us and, sure. and stir within us this passion that you have so shared with us this afternoon. Sure. Hank, I appreciate your, um, your friendship. I appreciate your, your being an ambassador for all things in Fayetteville and for the presence that you and Diane have here in downtown. And um, just applaud you for all the ways that you are, in my mind, living out justice, freedom, and peace. Um, we want to thank our listeners today. I thank Justin Barrier for being our engineer and always helping us to um, stay on track with, with all things through the podcast. Friends, we hope that um, you'll continue to support us by encouraging other folks to listen to our podcasts. Um, we're on a, every other Friday episode launch, and we also want to give a thanks to our, our friends at Cool Spring Downtown District for their efforts in, um, in, in partnering with us as we um, expand our reach into the community. Um, thanks all for this um, time this afternoon. Wherever you may be, lis be listening, um, don't forget to tell your own stories. And um, thanks again for joining us today on Stories from the Center. Hank, thanks again. You're welcome. Blessings Thank you. to you. Thank okay. you.